Welcome back to Thunderdome, another episode of Sunstrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here on Thursday, September 30th, 2021, almost said October 1st. Um, it is, I'm in Charlotte, like always, uh, kind of a weird day, kind of a weird time in life right now. Um, Jim is making a move. Our gym is moving to a new location, so our last day at our current location was yesterday, as far as not Southern Scrap Nation. Southern Scrap Nation's doing perfectly fine. We're where we're at and living life. Uh, Charlotte Jiu-Jitsu Academy is moving from one area of town to the other. Nothing bad, just a little bit of a different side of town. Nothing as far as mileage will change, at least on my end and most people, because the city is pretty easy to uh, commute around with the inner belt line. And outer. Um, but when we move to this new location, it's going to be big. So we're hopefully going to be back up and running soon as far as jiu-jitsu goes. CrossFit, man, they're done until next year. we got renovations on the building. And then the premier CLT Muay Thai, your premier Muay Thai school in Charlotte, will be available for everyone coming at least before 2022. I'm hoping should be. Um, as far as we're going, we're getting like a 1,000 square feet of room with bags and everything so we'll have a pretty decent sized room and then obviously jiu-jitsu will continue on and be twice as big as it was just recently um i'm excited uh but that means i have literally um nothing going on for training as far as going into the school so i'm i'm at an impasse i need people to come by hopefully at least for next weekend because that is worlds nogi worlds I'll be traveling to Garland, Texas. I will not be here next week for the podcast. And I will be competing maybe Friday or Saturday. Hopefully Friday. Um, and then I'll be back Sunday. And then the following week, everything back to normal. So hopefully I can get some training in. I'm cutting weight. I'm losing weight like a madman. I'm doing fine. I feel good. I feel physically good. No injuries, too. It's great. I'm telling you, if you just change your diet, all those like little things that hurt will immediately go away. I, I mean, that's the biggest transition I've seen since being like a younger 20 year old to like Pat, like, uh, what is it? Late twenties. I'm not, not really late twenties, but getting there latter twenties, you know, 27, not fucking young. Um, well young, but not young 20s is like my diet has to be on point otherwise I'm sacrificing Jesus these little impingements and pains from inflammation so when I used to be able to train and eat a pizza and all this kind of stuff not so much anymore I feel way better if I just like cut the gluten out that's my personal thing gluten may be my thing may not be your thing but Sugar in it, whatever. You can say whatever all the science is. I don't know. Keto, not keto. Paleo, not paleo. GSP diet, not GSP. I don't give a fuck. All you need to know is um, Rose Nami Yunus actually has the best nutritional advice ever. And it was if it takes longer than, to cook than five minutes in a pan, it's probably not good for you. And the longer it takes to cook, the worse it's probably for you. Um, obviously, there's exceptions to the rules like i'm sure microwavable foods not good for you but as far as foods that take a certain 
time to make end up being bad. So on a on a very like simple scale, if I put meat in a cast iron, it may take six minutes at most if you want like the perfect steak. And even then that's a little bit long, right? Um, but if, you know, three minutes one side, three minutes other, anyway, whatever. Um, but if I, that's not a good idea, uh, whatever, either way. But if I'm going to cook bread, it's, it's a whole process. Like it takes days to cook it. So it, it probably is not going to be the best for you, right? I mean, at home made bread is better for you than white bread from the store because of Monsanto and shit like that. However, in a general concept, that's the way you want to look at things. So last night I had chicken, kale, and tomatoes all made in a pan or in a my own little, yeah, like cooking pan. And just all that together took literally less than 10 minutes, and I heated it up. I'll, people may be wondering, where's the cheese? Where's all this stuff? Yeah, I don't eat that. Like I, that's what I'm saying is like if you wanna if you wanna lose the pain, if you wanna lose all that stuff, you, you have to cut everything out. Now, I'm not saying there isn't room for cheat days and times to live your life because honestly, if you live, my best friend Fitz, who's been on the show, there was a point in his life where he was testing his ketone levels through fucking blood every day. You might as well have diabetes. You know, I, there's an there's an extreme to it. And then there's, like, the happy middle where it's like, do you feel good? All right, then keep doing what you're doing. But when you wake up and you're like, oh, my head, my stomach, my hip, da-da-da-da, like, everything hurts. It's like, yes. Did you work out really hard yesterday? No, I'm just waking up with pain. Check your life. Check what you're eating first. That's the biggest thing. Because at least then you can reduce the inflammation on, like, that level, a nutritional level. And then get into the working out. Because... You also need good fuel. If you just don't address the food portion stuff at all, you're going to end up, you're going to end, I mean, you're running a car on bad fuel. You're, that's what you're essentially doing. Bad oil, if you will. You know, you can get the wheels changed, but, like, the oil has to be changed, too. The stuff inside. So, and also, you know, that's just my little two cents, um, I was NASM certified, not so much anymore. Uh, haven't kept up with it. But from what I've, from my just living life and having a pretty healthy household, not having any snacks really in the household, Cheetos. Cheetos were my household snack. Sad. That's what I grew up with. That's the only thing we had in the house uh, at most. So maybe on a good day, my mom would buy pretzels dark pretzels because that's her jam but we didn't have any of that other stuff so I grew up watching my mom cook and then I didn't really know anything different until I went away to school and then I was able to have soda three times a day if I wanted to never did I just like you go to a different school my favorite days were Fridays because biscuits and gravy hell yeah I used to be able to get a personal pizza like 11 o'clock every day hell yeah like, I, but once again, my mom's doing very well with her health, and she's on the older side. So whatever she's doing, I'm going to try to continue that going on with the rest of my life. 
Because, fuck yeah. Those pizza days are over. I'm not saying I won't ever have pizza again. Just like having it three times in a row. No more days like that. I can't. I can't. I can't. Unless things go really bad in life. Um, don't see that happening. Like eating pizza. That crazy. All right. So we have a lot to talk about. I just went on a rant. Um, so we have a lot. It's like 2014 all over again. We had Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler fight last weekend. We'll get into that. This past weekend. We'll get, we'll get into the fights. Don't worry about it. We have John Jones getting arrested again. Hell yeah. Like, not hell yeah to the fact that he got arrested. But, I mean, I was complaining about how terrible MMA news is. And just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get to roll back time and do and like live life in a time where I didn't have a podcast and I would have loved to talk about MMA. I'm fucking giddy. I waited for everyone else to do their fucking podcast so I can come in here and give you my take because I personally think my take's better. But uh, I also like listening to what, you know, for example, I listen to Michael Bisbing's podcast. Because I feel like that's a guy that knows what the fuck he's talking about. Just saying. Um, I like listening to Dan Hardy. Because he's... And we'll get into Dan Hardy too. Um, Because Dan Hardy's pretty... I mean, he's knowledgeable in the sport. He's an aficionado of MMA. That's what you want. And he also, you know, competed at a high level. The the highest of level, if you will. So we've got some stuff to talk about. Got some stuff to talk about. So why don't we break the fights down? I want to break the fights down and then talk about John Jones. Talk about John Jones and then break down. We'll break down the fights first. Um, so fights. Well, that's not. There we go. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And then we have fights to break down this weekend. Johnny Walker versus Chaga Santos. Banger of a light heavyweight fight. Skill-wise. I can see why their paths are crossing now, but... All right. Anyway, um, so let's look at... 266. Shout-outs to some prelim fighters. Um, Shout-out to Matthew Selmsberger for this 15-second knockout. Goes out there. Right hand, Martin Sano, Nick Diaz's training partner, Warsano. Fucking right hand folded him. I mean, people saw Usman do it to Masvidal, and now it's everywhere. I mean, that's how Masvidal knocked people out, too, in the past, and got a kind of taste of his own medicine. I digress. It was a beautiful right hand. He timed the left hook. Um, when you have a guy who, I, I'm, I'm not saying that this is, uh, well, it sounds like I'm, it's actually one of my things. No, I've. Uh, I've been, I've, this has happened to me before, right? You want to play the hand fight game, but then you end up leaving your arm out and you're kind of using it like a check hook in a way where you're kind of baiting them to come in. The problem is, is if you, f- if the person fakes that right hand and you have, and they get you to overcommit on the check hook, they can easily just, shoot it right down the middle. And that's kind of what Matthew Selmsberger did. He faked the right hand and then shot it. So car- catching Martin Sano with his arm out and giving him a direct line to his chin. 
Um, it was a beautiful shot, man. And he, he, I think he used the left hand. If not, he didn't. But I think he used the left hand to like cover Martin Sano's right hand, his power hand, and like hold it. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, Usman did it. It's like you trap that right hand, and then you're forced to take your right hand. It's like a slap left hook as you throw the right hand. It's beautiful. <clears throat> also, shout out to uh, Jalen Turner for that six submission over Euros Midic, who's a, I mean, top contender or not contender or prospect coming in seven and zero. Jalen Turner, the tarantula, is a. I mean, he's telling he was talking about how he's to sell some tarantulas because he wasn't making money, but. When this guy gets in there, he performs. I love his striking. I love his fighting style. His submissions are great. Um, Three-fight win streak. I mean, all finishes. He's a problem. 155, 6'3". I love it. So shout-out to Jalen Turner. Big fan of his. Ruka. Ruka guy. All right, so now we go into the prelims where all my predictions almost came true. So, first one off the bat didn't come true. Roxanne Monteferi. I thought if you're going to catch any underdog, I mean, she's got 45 fights. Um, I was going to, you know, the the experience of Roxanne I thought was going to be too much for Talia Santos. Turns out Talia Santos is really experienced everywhere. So, she just was the better fighter where Roxanne can break a lot of new girls. And Talia Santos's test was... Can she be broken? Can the persistence of a fighter get to you and make you run out of fundamentals? We have a guy at our gym that is very annoying with one kind of move, right? It's a sweep, and that's all he gets to. Most people not break, quote-unquote, but they, they fall to... Fighting it once, fighting it twice, and then he finally gets it, and he sweeps you, and then top game for days. Not for days, but top game. It's a mental thing that you have to get past where whenever he tries to do this, when he ever tries to do the sweep to me, I bring a little bit of that MMA mentality. Break the hands, disengage, completely stand up, and then re-engage. Make him, you know... Try to, like, grab the legs, hug the legs. You know, the classic striker hump thing, right? Push his head to the mat, get my legs out, stand up, push his head down. Just make it really hard for him to complete the sweep and escape. And then in turn, what you're doing is you're causing frustration to them because if you can just get out of whatever they're trying to annoyingly and persistently put you into that has... Mentally broke people in the past, and then eventually you get on top, and you can, you know, grind out the rounds and yada yada yada, and make them pay for every time they try that. I mean, that to me shows a experience level and a mentality that, like, you deserve to be in the top because that kind of shit's not going to phase you at the highest level. If you're dealing with that at the highest level, then you know I'm not saying she fights. Um, Valentina just yet, but, you know, Valentina's going to do the same shit, and we'll get into it. She's going to do her thing, because that's what it is. It's just trying to impose your will on them. That's all that, that uh, that's all at the highest level of fighting is, is making them play your game. And we'll talk about the Volkanovski and what he was saying. 
before the fight, and what I was saying before the fight, the only person, the only person on this planet that will not concede to that in order to let his ego dominate the fight is John Jones. He'll let you play your game in order to beat you at it. It's the only guy. Other than him, everybody else is very dead set because it takes, it takes, I mean, an incredible amount of skill to be able to just go in there and do your thing every time and no one can do anything about it. That's Khabib, the dominance of a champion. John is the only one that's like, bring whatever you're good at, dude. Bring it. I'm better at it, and I probably never even practiced it. Um, you know, greatest fighter of all time. All right, so in the heavyweight division, Chris Dawkins. What did I say? Second round TKO? Yeah, get at me. I mean, it could have been a first round either way. I mean, he left hooked. Cla- I mean, I mean, in dynamic fashion, spit everywhere, left hook in the first round on Shamil Abdurkamihinov. Um, and then in the second round, hit him with the right hand. Same thing, spit everywhere, psh, over. I think Chris Dawkins should either get Stipe. Oh, actually, I think he's fighting Derek Lewis. I think they signed. Great fight. I want to see him versus Tom Aspinall because they both have kind of the same game. I think Tom Aspinall is a little bit more versatile in his groundwork and stuff. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so that makes a hell of a difference. But just on pure hand speed and everything, Chris Dawkins is awesome. Um, Derek Lewis is going to be a huge challenge. I mean, hand speed and all. Um, because I mean, I guess you could beat him if you took the Cyril Gone approach. But Chris Dawkins doesn't have the kicking dynamic game that Cyril Gone has, and arguably doesn't have the footwork that Cyril Gone has. So if you're getting in a pa- if you're getting in a punching battle, Derek Lewis is gonna be a hard guy, especially a guy coming off of a loss that really wants to redeem himself, losing in front of Houston. I think it's a hard fight for Chris Dawkins. I'm glad he took the fight, but anyway. All right. So going on to lightweight division, Dan Hooker winning an awesome fight against Nasrat Haparast. So Dan Hooker. Changed the game on everyone. He body locked, take down, took down Nasrat. It's the name of the game. MMA, three takedowns out of seven. That allowed him to get into dominant crucifix position and rain down punches and just point him. Just get the points. I was watching this fight with my buddy, and the whole time I was saying, like, it's crazy that Dan Hooker and Izzy come from the same camp. And same thing with Volk. Because every time I watch a Dan Hooker fight, I'm always like, ah, ooh, like I'm. <laughs> like I'm I'm always braced. He fights so aggressively. He fights so like he's ready to give four for three. And it's like, oh the fight was such elusive and you know crazy and I mean Dan's style is amazing, but it like takes a little bit of like he likes the 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 punching part. He likes the getting hit part. He doesn't mind the blood. It's like, oh but the guys that you train with, like less less of that, please. But, I mean, he went in there and he fucking... Uh. Um, so, congrats to Dan Hooker, especially all that he he went through to get there. Um, condolences to Nas- uh, 
Nashat once again, his mother, you know, loss. But he's young. He'll be back. So then we got Marlon Moraes, and he's got GSP and Frost in his corner. I mean, he'll be back. He just, he can't be a big right hand. He's got to be a little bit more dynamic than that. Um, and also, like, the grappling aspect. He was, like, terrible in grappling. Um, like, no, no, no thoughts of recovery. It was just, like, a, a bad ground performance. All right, so then you got the main prelim, which was Marlon Moraes versus Marab Dizvalis-Feely. Holy fuck, right? I mean, Marlon Moraes had him dead to rights first round. And he gasses himself out like he's done in the past. Multiple times. Marlon Moraes is a one-round fighter. That's what I take away from that. I mean, he's dangerous as fuck in that first round. But Marab from Georgia, dude. And I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about fucking Georgia peaches. I'm talking about the fucking country, the war-torn country of Georgia. Not war-torn, but, you know. It's had its hardships. Um, it takes more than that, right? Marab gets on top, end of first round, starts laying down the ground. I mean, no no urgency. No sense of urgency to stand up for Marlon Moraes. No posting on the head. No posting on the hips with his feet. No just trying to get back to your feet. Just... So laying in open guard and Marab just fully postured up. No knees in his chest, old school, like no nothing. Just accepting the grounded position. I mean, like I get the finishing ability, but your finishing ability has to be, has to be, has to be more thought out than left hook, left hook, left hook, left hook. Trying to like hit him with the same thing that he just got caught with. He just got caught with it. He's probably going to do his best to not get hit with it. So what do you do? Yeah, jab, faint the hook, uppercut, cross, something else, kick. But left hook, left hook, left hook. It's not boxing. It's not kickboxing. They're going to dive. They're diving for your legs. They're blocking it, blocking it, blocking it, and diving for your legs. And then he just Henry Cejudin himself into the second round. Right, ridiculous. Rob landed 246 strikes. I don't know what happened to Marlon. I literally do not know. He was a big prospect. And then it's the same. The way he loses is literally the same every time. I mean, not the Rob Font and Corey Sanhagen one, but um, Henry Cejudo. The Henry Cejudo loss. Even the Jose Aldo fight, like... And then Rob Font and Corey Sanhagen were just back to back clipping of the clipping of the head. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Awesome. I mean, Marab, hell yeah, but definitely let's not get there again. Um definitely fight of the night. I arguably the main event was very good, but that was fight of the night. Alright, so in the main event or main card. So right now, I'm killing it on my picks, right? Flyway, Jessica Andrade, KO first round. What did I say? I mean, I mean, she fucking just hit Cynthia Calvillo like two times, and she was like, I don't want any of this. And then Cynthia posted something. She's like, we prepared, we prepared so hard, I'm so disappointed, and I just felt the power, and I just, it wasn't anything I ever felt. Yeah. 
it takes like a one percent of guys to be that way. But I mean, when it comes to girls, like if a girl can hit hard enough, she can shut down most of the division. I mean, Nunes, for example, she hits very hard. She's the most technical out of all of them. Every day, she's getting more technical for sure. But just the ability to generate way more power than the average girl that you get in the training camp. I mean, you get hit once, right? And you're like, what the fuck? Like, I think guys hit this hard. And then the second one, and then a third one. And you're like, oh my God. Even guys that I train with don't hit you that hard. It hit me that hard. Because they're not really, they're not really going for it. They're not really doing it. it it's, it's hard because a Jessica Andrade packs so much power. Like, you're not going to be that dude in the gym that wails on a girl. Oh, but she's getting ready for Jessica Andrade. It's totally fine. Um, yeah, so, I mean, not much more to say. It's just, it sucks to be Jessica because what's next for you? Valentina again? No. I mean, she, I mean, shout out to Jessica Andrade for doing it. She's a former champ. She did it. She's got OnlyFans now. Like, she's making money. She's made money. Now she just gets to go in there and, like, knock girls out in, like, the first round and cash a paycheck. She gets former champ money. I don't know how much that is because she didn't really defend it for that long. But she gets former champ money, right? So if she can go in there and cash out on a one-round TKO and just have the girl on her back foot the whole entire time, I mean, not much more to say. For Cynthia, I mean, you're fighting an anomaly, but... Valentina's an anomaly, so you, you have to shut Jessica down. So you're going to have to do what Valentina did and shoot on her. It's just about getting the right timing. Valentina's very good at the double under takedown, and we'll get into that. Cynthia Calvia's more of a double leg. And when Jessica Andrade is... I don't know how many... I don't know how... She's shorter than her, right? It's going to be harder to get on her hips, get low, and get it on the hips. So finding that perfect time is very... Um, and unless you got the footwork like Rose, which means you have to have the speed to match and the coach to match with it and years of doing it, um, you're not going to be able to just move around and jab. I mean, I guess you could. That's just, I guess someone doesn't have the black line criteria. Because, uh, I mean, in the fight, you see it. Anytime Cynthia would work, and I was watching with my buddy, she would work to the center. And then as soon as you saw her one foot go behind the black line, Jessica swarmed the fuck out of her. And if you watch any of Trevor Whitman's fighters, and I've talked about this time and time again, I can do a video and people won't watch it. But it's the best fucking advice you can get. If you're fighting in the UFC, there's no X's and O's except for one spot. And that's the black line. As soon as your opponent crosses that black line, you are in total control. If they can circle the way, way back to the middle, now we're talking about elegant footwork battle going on. But most fighters go back and forth, like forwards, backwards. That's all they train in drilling and anything. But Izzy, Rose, any of these people with very good footwork, no. But that black line is lava. So as soon as their foot gets even close to that, they either overcommit and go to the, the cage and use lateral foot, footwork to, 
to uh, go from side to side. Or Rose's case, she jabs or crosses her way back to the middle, and then she's in control. Matador style. It's not easy, but if your, co- if your corner's not working that, they're behind, and they will be behind. Just know that. All right, so in the heavyweight, guess, guess what? You can't. It's very hard to shoot a shoot on someone on your back foot. Because coming into our next fight, Curtis Blades versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike, a guy who took a, a knee to the fucking eye and probably broke an orbital, orbital, did his best on controlling the fight, moving forward, getting past the heavy, heavy shots, taking a knee for it, and getting the takedowns. Three of six, not his best work, but did enough. There's not much more to talk about in this fight. Curtis Blades did what he needed to. Jarzinho Rosenstrike needs to keep working on his wrestling takedown. But there's no one else on the division that has Curtis Blades' like wrestling credentials. But I could see like a Cyril Gaon using a trip or something like that. Uh, I mean, Cyril Gaon already beat Rosenstrike, so whatever. But you did. He did trip him. Fucking goddamn. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean... Keep working on it because be a better fighter, but there's not much more to talk about on that one. All right, so now into the three main fucking fights that are what everyone was talking about. First one, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. What to say about it? Uh, this one I got wrong because obviously picking for NDA Army or NDA, right? Nick Diaz Army, always. But I think, I mean, I don't know what his... I don't know what happened going into this fight where he came in and he looked like garbage. Besides the fact that he's 38 years old and he's going to look like 38. He looks like 38. Robbie looks a little bit younger. Or older? I can't remember. Anyway, Robbie had a fire underneath him. He was ready for 170. Regardless if he's not ready for 185, being in 170 shape is not a bad thing. That means he fucking cared. He wanted to win. Nick looked uh, Nick looked good for being off six years. I heard something that made a lot of sense to me. I think he wants to fight out his contract. That's why he's trying to come back and fight again and again. He's trying to fight his contract out and go fight boxing or something. Um, but everyone's like... Nick took a shot and was like, I'm done. I'm done. Robbie didn't go to the ground with him. There's no reason for me to get TKO'd. Call it. Whatever. Smart. Fucking smart. Nick is changing the game once again. Uh, once again. How is Nick, the fighter, the fighter's mentality, the 209 Stockton fucking, you know, whatever, brawl, brawl all day, you know, Diaz fight mentality. But he changed the game. He took a shot to the nose. He took a shot that he wasn't going to recover from. And he played it smart. And he said, no, I'm done. Let me live to fight another day. And everyone's on board with it. Everyone's on board with it. Everyone's like, fuck yeah, Nick Diaz, you're the best. But God forbid another fighter doesn't go out on their shield. Pussy. Oh, what a quitter. Oh. And then we'll get to the main event, too. Don't worry. Oh, don't worry, guys. Oh, I've got some gripes with the main event, too. 
oh, just the worst, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's one or the other, right? You can't ride the fence on this one. Fighting is clearly more dangerous than boxing. And in boxing, they even throw the towel in, right? Nick broke his nose or something. What the fuck am I going to come in here and get busted up even more for? I'm done, dude. You got me. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to go deal with this thing. Dude, I'm totally about it, especially a guy that doesn't like to fight. So when we get into the co-main event and the main event, we'll talk about the corners there. So co-main event, TKO from Valentina Shevchenko. Not much to talk about besides the fact that it was a complete shutout. Lauren Murphy landed 19 strikes. I mean, what is this, the greatest fucking sparring match Valentina's ever had? Um, 11 significant strikes from Lauren Murphy. Actually, a pretty good percentage. She landed 19 strikes, and only 11 of them were significant. It's a heavy, I mean, only eight strikes were not significant. I think she hits pretty hard, I assume. Um, but God damn it, team. God damn it. Who is watching film? Valentina is literally the same fighter. Double underhook takedown. Fight for underhooks. Fight for underhook. Even if she wants to tie clinch with you. You were the bigger girl. Underhook her. I know it's. I can sit here and play armchair quarterback, especially with fighting and armchair coaching and stuff like that. But it just... It's an annoyance in my, as a coach, to watch a fighter repeat the same mistakes that eight other fighters have done already. Not necessarily on the fighter's part, because sometimes a fighter, you know, they put their money, I mean, they put their money where their mouth is, and they pay their corners for, for their time. And so it's the corner's job to do the fucking research to see what they've been doing. For example, Greg Jackson and John Winklejohn. Those two, like Holly or Holly Holm versus Ronda, I mean, just pick any fighter. They, when any fighter steps into the cage, it's like they've already f- sparred that person. Some of the best in the game. I don't know if they've had a a Winklejohn fighter fight Valentina. Holly Holm fought Valentina, right? Valentina beat Holly Holm? Yeah. She outstruck and she got taken down. But, um, I mean, that's fucking forever ago, though, 2016. Um, you, I mean, 2021, you should have all of her tendencies down pat by now. Just saying. As far as who's next for her? Fuck if I know. I have no idea. I have no idea. What, a third fight with Amanda Nunes? I don't know why everyone's clamoring for it. The other girl's 2-0 and on it. I'm just... And Amanda's only gotten better. So it's like, Valentina... To me, Valentina's plateaued. Amanda's only getting better. It's a, th- a third fight doesn't make any sense. And they fight where? 135 again? Man is not coming down to 125. So another dominant performance of Valentina. Lauren Murphy. I guess just 
pick yourself up and then try to get into another fight, go back, fix the wrongs in the camp, and write them right. It's about I, I, I have no other dominance, right? It's like me trying to tell someone after fighting Khabib what the best option is. It's like, I don't know, reevaluate life and realize that your only hope is that this guy fucking retires. It's the same thing with her. The girls in this division, their only hope is that this girl, like, retires or moves on or something. But she's not going to because she's a martial artist. Like, that's her life. All she wants to do is this. She ha- loves this shit more than any other girl that steps in there. All right? I'm a huge fan of her mentality because she's a martial artist. I fucking love martial artists. I love Jiri Prohoshka. And at a, at, a, at a level, I love Nick Diaz. I love GSP. I love these guys that and gals that are 100% into Izzy, that are 100% into martial arts. Like the techniques from all different aspects. You know? And the detail. And like the more and more you can get into it, the fucking better it is. Like the deeper you can get into strike. Like, yeah, I can talk to someone about striking. But if they start talking to me about, like, the rhythm and striking, it's like, oh, okay, speak my language. What else about the rhythm and striking? Tell me a little bit more. I want to talk about how if you – no, I'm not even going to get into it because <clears throat> that's, some... well, that's some secrets. That's some Sun and Scrap Nation fucking secrets that I plan on putting into practice. All right, so another awesome um, – Performance of Valentina Shevchenko. SouthernScrapNation.com. All right, so in the main event, we had Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. I mean, what did I say was going to be the main difference in this fight between Brian and Volkanovsky? Brian's a fighter. He's got that ability to finish the fight at any time. He's got the ability to come back in the fifth round and have a really fucking good round. However, he's not a champion because a champion also takes the control aspect into it. Brian Ortega will give rounds up because he's in a fight. Alexander Volkanovsky won't take a fucking round off. He won't concede a round. So first two rounds, obviously, Alexander Volkanovsky, his striking is too much. If Holloway's too much for you, and everyone brings up the fucking Chansong Jung Fund. I tell you time and time again, in the words of Dominic Cruz, which Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz coming up soon. Fuck yeah. You're very good against stationary and forward-moving fighters. When it comes to a guy with footwork, it's too much. Holloway would switch stances. He would move from side to side. If he tried to back Max Holloway up, Holloway would already be two steps out. So you're just running into something. And Alexander's the same thing. He's moving forward. He's hitting you, and then he's not there. He's fainting. Fainting, fainting. You throw, moves, hits you. So let's talk about the third round then. Brian Ortega grabs the foot, hits him with a jab. He falls over. Alexander, it's not a knock. Did they count as a knockdown? No, no knockdown. Brian Ortega jumps on the neck, and what I love about this, and I've been adding it to me because guillotines are my jam, legs first. Legs first, then 
then squeeze, right? Just get the, or not even squeeze, just like arm position. Obviously get the head and get the, get the hands together. But what your body and mind should be focusing on is clamping your legs around them. Full mount, guard, but guard if their fucking hands are, you know, trapped in the guard, whatever. It doesn't matter. Once my legs are engaged, then my hands can do the work. So what he did was he just jumped on Volkanovski's head. Volkanovski, and Volkanovski did what he was supposed to do. Got us back to the mat. 100% defense for any guillotine choke or choke in general. Back flat on the mat. Pushed on the hips or fought the hands, pushed on the hips. And then reverse position and started landing. Round winning shots. To the point where uh, then he gets caught in a triangle, gets out of it. Once again, round winning shots. Turns the tide of the fight. Or turns the tide of the round. <laughs> if a person drop, gets dropped, right? The round is 10-8. The person on the other side that got dropped that's now eight on the that's now down two points, they can't work themselves back to ten nine them, but they can work it back to a ten nine or a nine nine for them ten. They can work their way back from two point deficit to a one point deficit. Possibly a, a I think no, I don't think uh, no. No, I don't. I don't know how closely they counted those submission attempts to the point where it's like a quote-unquote knockdown. Or maybe the wave was so much on this side, right, that as soon as Volkanovski or it's on Ortega's side, the wave is so much, so high going and crashing into Volkanovski that they just, like, they assume that once the round ended, 10... 10-9 Ortega. But with the ferocity of which Volkanovski ended the round where Ortega was on the ground and woke up or like got up and was incoherent, didn't know where he was, where he was going, yada, yada, yada. It seemed like they were going to end the fight. Like this is the damage that he took, Max Holloway fight. But the difference between Max Holloway and Volkanovski is Volkanovski went out there to fucking end Brian Ortega. Not help Brian Ortega in the middle of a fight and be a little cheeky and all this. No, he went out there to, I mean, he fractured, he gave Brian Ortega a fractured orbital. He was trying to punch through that canvas. Um, And then Brian Ortega went out to have a really good round in the fifth round, but arguably probably won that. I don't know if he won that round, but his best round. But this is where, and I knew this from the Ultimate Fighter when I was watching it. His coaches are charlatans, man. When you have coaches that are like, you're the fucking champ. You're going to be the champ. You're the man. He's trying to break you. He's going to try to break you. You're the fucking, you're unbreakable. You're the dude. And then Alexander Volkanovsky coach, once again. I give that training spot. I give that training round a six out of ten. Like, they don't give you anything. You're not a, they, they're not a yes man. They're realistic evaluators. They don't try to fan some flame that doesn't deserve to be fanned. Alexander Volkanovsky is a great champion. He's 23-1. and But if you're Alexander Volkanovsky, it's like, what have I done, though? I've only beat Max twice, and I've only beat Brian Ortega once. I need more. (laughs) That's the right mentality to have. Brian Ortega's stuck in the, once I become a champ, life is gravy. Nah, dude. Once you become a champ, work starts. 
because the PR, the PR that's involved. And Brian Ortega, I mean, Alexander Volkanovsky talking about the professionalism. I know it was a little cringy at the end how much he was fucking mentioning it. But he's right. If you're a champ, like the PR, the everything that comes with it after, you can't be that person that's late. You can't have people working on your time. Once you're Conor McGregor, you can have people working on your time because you're making so much money for them hand over foot. But if you're Alexander Volkanovsky and you've got, let's see, many Insta—I mean, before the fight, 350,000 Instagram followers. Guess what? You're doing a lot of fucking work. You're doing a lot of work. Um, hold on. Four hundred eighty-five thousand followers, almost half a million. Only. Like that's he's got work to do. He got work to do. Um, I think Ortega's corner should have thrown it in the fifth. This is the second time this has happened to him. I think this is fucking. I think it's, he needs to reevaluate his team hard or whatever. Don't. I don't care. I'm not his fucking dad. So he does whatever he needs to, whatever he feels like. Is, but if you're going to continue to take damage like that, if you're going to continue to absorb 214 significant strikes, you know, and you're clearly not doing, and you're clearly doing everything right. Fine. Whatever. Congrats to Volt. Um, hell of a champion. Hell of a fighter. Oh, how does he survive Brian Ortega's guillotine and triangle? Because he trains with Craig Jones, you fucking dimwits. He trains with Craig Jones. Do a little research. Be a little bit more of a fan of the sport. He trains with Craig Jones. You think Brian Ortega's as good at jiu-jitsu as Craig Jones? No. You think Henry Gracie's as good at jiu-jitsu as Craig Jones? He may have been in the sport longer, but no, I think Craig Jones smashes Henry Gracie. Anyway, congrats to all the champs. No and new, you know, and still, night of and still. All right. So that's that. SunscribeNation.com. All right. So now we got to get into, oh my God. Um, it's almost over. 46 minutes. All right, so now we got to get into the da, 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 John Jones shit real quick. Um, John Jones, man, uh, police report came out. He was arrested for domestic abuse and domestic violence and banging his head against the police car. His wife was found in Caesar's Hotel at 4.30 in the morning, bloodied, calling, asking them to call the police. I think his kids even said to call the police or something. I've been on record saying this. John Jones is probably not a good guy. And now we have 100% confirmation. He beats his wife. And it's probably not the first time. Um, and the fact that he can come out the next day of him posting a video of him working out going, I'm going to leave alcohol in my past behind forever. And God and Jesus and like all this. And he uses... Christianity as a crutch. He's a bad guy. He's not good. He also probably buys all the guns and has all the things that can kill other people and is the baddest motherfucker in the world because it's an insecurity thing. 
Probably, most likely, right? If you're the baddest motherfucker, you should be pretty secure that you're the baddest motherfucker. Why do you need all this extra stuff to make yourself feel safe? Why do you have to feel like everyone's out to get you? He's his own worst enemy. The only person to defeat John Jones is John Jones. 2014 called. We're asking for our headlines back. This is where we're at, man. John Jones can't go to fucking Vegas for a weekend. Crazy. He's looking, I mean, he's looking pretty big, though. He's trying to get to 275, 270. Jesus. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the UFC is going to do. It's not UFC. Pro, it's not a problem. I mean, it's bad press, but John Jones is bad press, but he's also good press. Any press for John is good press. This one's pretty bad because it's kind of dark if you read like if you read the the police report like his wife is very it's very obvious that this has happened in their life I mean all this around the same time this Gabby Petito thing's happening like it's a very dark thing to read because this story doesn't go it only goes one way especially with a fighter I mean even a fucking wrestler right I mean, you're just waiting for the day where he Chris Benoit's family at this point. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's good that he's probably not fighting because he's probably not getting punched in the head quite as often. But if that's where this is going, you know, dark, dark. And the fact that, it, the fact that he just doesn't address it and Izzy is the same way. Um, yeah, he's like, he's going to fuck up again. Uh, but Izzy said, yeah, what did, you know, Izzy, yeah, I don't think this is the first time this has happened in his house, but yeah, posy vibes goes. Um... I'm not too physical, but a little, yeah. This is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this guy doing this whole thing about, yeah. When someone's like, not too physical, it's like, dude, if you assault your wife at all, that's too physical. <laughs> like, you're a bad guy. If you put your hands on your wife at all, especially in front of your kids, man. Um, oh shit, Davidson Figueredo to train with Henry Cejudo for a Brandon Moreno trilogy. Dude, anything that makes that guy more dangerous, fuck yeah. That team is becoming bigger and bigger. Um, Whaley Zhang went there. I don't think that's going to help her, though. I think she's doing the wrong thing. Henry Cejudo is not going to help her with the, the intricacies of, like, striking. Um, Faross or someone who can, like... Work on like work on the footwork aspect. You need someone to help you with the footwork aspect. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Trevor Whitman be that guy, but uh, maybe a highly talented striker or something. I mean, Whaley, China, she could have gone to like Thailand, Tiger Muay Thai. 
Oh, Henry Cejudo versus Alexander Volkanovsky would be a good fight, to be honest. I, I'd like that. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Uh, oh, uh, we can break down the fights. Um, this weekend also is uh, MVP versus um, Douglas Lima 2. I think Douglas Lima wins again. I mean, once you understand and you're not afraid of that or hesitant when it comes to that, like, in and out kickboxing stuff, like, fundamental striking will always beat that kind of shit. Always. Too much movement is never the end. Douglas Lima is, like, <laughs> light years ahead of him in the ground game where Douglas Lima's black belt in MMA is... Like, MVP has, like, a purple belt in MMA. It's really fun to watch as a purple belt, but not in every aspect. All right. That's all I got for those. And before we end, let's just break down some of the fights this Coming weekend, Chiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. I think it's a good fight for Chiago Santos to come back to. I think when it comes to into a fight of, are we, we going to get a flash in the pan of Johnny Walker or Chiago Santos's fucking fights on fights on fight finishes that he's like, I mean, they put up like 10 the other day. The consistency in Chiago Santos um, is more important to me and, and is more of a is it sways me more to Chiago than it does to Johnny. Just the consistency. Consistency at light heavyweight overrides the flashiness of Johnny Walker. Um, I'm pretty sure Johnny also... KO J- Ryan Spann, but I mean... <laughs> if you, ha- you want to have that kind of fight too that he had with Ryan Spann, like Chiago Santos wins that fight. Like, Johnny isn't going to just be able to out-athletic, like, out-use his athleticism against Chago. Chago's, I'm um, 37. He is older. I just like Chago Santos in this fight. Consistency, right? Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. Kevin Holland's been training a shit ton with Johnny Hendricks. Hopefully that helps with his wrestling and he can get back on the winning track. Kyle Dawkins is coming off of a loss to Phil uh, Phil Hawes. Loss, win, loss. Loss, win, loss, win. Could beat Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland needs this win, though. He's the favorite. Didn't even realize he was really fighting. Like, Kyle Kyle Dawkins, his brother, Chris, is great, but he doesn't have the same power that his brother does. But, um... Like, Kyle trains, he's great everywhere, right? Good. I think the, I think Kevin Holland's, like, X factor of being who he is might help him get a decision win. It's an exciting fight, but. Alex Oliveira versus Nico Price. This is a fight of two guys that it's like, do you put your money, like, whenever they fight, you put your money on them. Because they're underdogs. So the underdog in this fight, Alex Oliveira, I'd put money on. Because when Cowboy comes to fight, he comes to fight. And usually it's when he's the underdog. All right. All right. 
Randy Brown submitted him in his last fight. He's coming off like a two-fight loss. But, I mean, Peter Sabata, Max Griffin, he beat. Um, yeah. He's also two-fight losing streak. But Nico Price, I'm trying to submit his ass, but... How old is also that? 33? About the same. He's got a longer reach, too. Body shot to Nico Price could be the finisher. That's what I would work if I was Alex Oliveira. All right, middleweight Misha Serkinov versus Christoph Jocko. Just two guys on a skid that need um, just need a not a skid, but both suffered losses uh, in their last fight. They're practically the same. Christoph Jocko is just more of the striker, whereas Misha Serkinov is more of a grappler. I'm going to go Misha Serkinov because I kind of like him on that. He's probably the favorite, too. No, he's the un- he's- I'd go him. Underdog. Um, then we have Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chasson. Prospect fight. Big Aspen Ladd coming off of a loss to, oh, no, KO of Yana Kunitskaya. And then she was KO'd by Jeraine Duranami. She came back third round to beat Yana, and then Macy Chesson had an awesome performance against Marion Renault. I think. Yeah. I like the power of Aspen Ladd, but I like the camp that Macy Chesson comes from. Who's the favorite Aspen, right? Yeah, Aspen's the favorite. Yeah, go Aspen. And then we have Alex Hernandez versus Mike Breeden. Mike Breeden, Dana White Contender Series fighters, 32. I would go Alex Hernandez on this fight just because of the experience, age. And unless Mike Breeden has shown he's 10-3. I like uh, I like Alex Hernandez for this fight. Just overall experience, age, um, wants to get a win back. All right, so in the prelims, we got a couple of guys I want to shout out. Um, well, shout out to Joe Selecki headline the prelims. Joe versus Jared Gordon. Um, two very good jiu-jitsu guys. I think Joe's jiu-jitsu is better than Jared's, and I think the, pros- the prospect of him coming off of a Jim Miller win now getting into those guys that are, you know, trying to be top 10 fighters. I think this is a good good route for him. And then Antonina Shevchenko versus Casey O'Neill, Scottish Thai. Other girl that's, you know, had her fair share in Thailand. I think this is a great fight for Casey. You know, the, the, the striking fear is not going to be there. Casey's fought in Thailand, right? I think she's a Tiger Muay Thai girl. So... That, that like, yeah, she changed with the Hickman brothers. I guess she's in syndicate. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't, it's not going to phase her. Like, she knows whatever. And I think her ground game is just better. Submission, right? She ground and pounded that other girl, Shayna Dobson. Tweenina's very good, but her losses have come to three takedowns, right? I think Casey O'Neill just needs to get one and call it a day. 
other than that, um, that's about it. Uh, Devontae Smith versus J- Jamie Malarkey. That's a great fight. Uh, Devontae Smith's probably the favorite in that one. Nah. But that's a, that's a, I'm going to be boring as shit. That's a 50 50. I mean, they're so, actually. Jamie Malarkey. So this has a this has a this has a a chance of oh um, this has a chance of going uh, either really really smoothly for Devonte Smith or really bad for Jamie at first and then he'll turn it around and get a comeback. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. A little longer one than usual because I won't be here next week. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Remember, SouthernScrapNation.com, SouthernScrapNation for anything else. Um, Stay safe. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And until next time, peace.